All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another fire episode of No Pump Fake. You already know what it is. And guess what, y'all? We have a Raptors episode, okay? For our, for our friends up north, we, we have a, a Raptors episode. So let's get right into it. Today's guest, we have Josh Lewenberg, all right? Toronto Raptors beat reporter for TSN Sports. What's going on? What's up, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited for the new season. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of the new season, right, I just want to address what happened most recently. Um, Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year. Um, but now that's behind us, right, as, as we look ahead to another season for Scotty. Um, what are your expectations for Scotty Barnes? It's interesting. I'm writing about this right now. I spoke to him today. We're entering a season now where things I mean, expectations are a lot higher than they were a year ago, right? Like that's what's so fascinating about this to me, because obviously, especially if you're in Toronto, but I think even around the league, Scotty Barnes could do no wrong last year, specifically in terms of where he fits into this Raptors franchise. He came along at the perfect time, right? Kyle Lowry leaves for Miami. The Raptors are coming off this disastrous season in Tampa, which Masai Ujiri has since referred to as the Tampa tank. And Scotty was this bright light on the floor. Obviously, he impacted the game in so many different ways and had this immediate impact on the franchise. But even off the court, like he's a, a fun personality. He plays the game hard. So he endeared himself to the team and the fan base pretty quickly. But what made it all so special and obviously the rookie of the year win was that nobody saw it coming. Even the most optimistic expectations going in was like, okay, well, this guy's promising, but he's raw and it'll probably take him some time to figure it out. So the fact that he was able to do it pretty much right away was like playing with house money almost. Now, all of a sudden, people are expecting the world from Scotty. And understandable, right? Like, he's really good. He got better as the year went on last year, which is not something you typically say about rookies. So naturally, people are going to get excited about what he could do with a full offseason of training. But I think the idea here is that you have to temper your expectations a little bit. At least some people do, right? Because it just mm -hmm. depends on what you're expecting. I think it's reasonable to expect him to, to make a jump. What that means in terms of like statistics, I don't know. He averaged 15 points last year. I'm not sure how much more than that he can average on a team where Pascal Siakam is going to handle the ball a ton, and Fred Van Vliet, and OG Ananobi, Gary Trent. Like at best, he's the third option on this team. So it's not like he's going to have the ball in his hands a ton, even though they want to involve him more this year. Uh, if people are expecting him to be an all-star, like that's where you're going to be disappointed if the expectations are through the roof. But yeah, I think he's going to be better this year. I'm just not sure that's going to be easy to measure through the box score. I think you're going to have to watch it on a game by game basis and just sort of see how is he impacting the game? Does he have the ball in his hands more? Is he making the team better? Is he making his teammates better? Those are the areas where he's going to get better in year two. And I think he will be better. I just don't think it's going to be by as much as some people think it will be. Do you think his growth would depend on how good the Raptors are this year? Let's say the Raptors get out slow out the gate and maybe Nick Nurse is like, all right, well, we're, let's say, I don't know, 500 or whatever. Do you think they say, oh, let's start running our offense through Scotty Barnes instead of having him like that third option like you project? Well, well, that's interesting, too, in the sense that, like, I do think that, well, first of all, the degree of difficulty is going to be higher for him in a number of reasons or a number of uh, ways this year, like, He's not going to sneak up on anybody. Obviously, he's going to be at the top of everybody else's scouting report. But something interesting that Nick Nurse said today is that 
they're not really in the business of force feeding him minutes anymore. Like last year was a development year for the team. And in that sense, they exceeded expectations too, right? Like they were better mm-hmm. than a development team. They were a winning team. But even still, the top priority, and it was sort of hard juggling the two priorities, I think, for them at, at certain points last year. But even while winning was prioritized, the growth and development of the young players, specifically Scotty Barnes, was always ahead of that, even if it was just a hair ahead of that. So Scotty would make his mistakes and, and have his rookie moments here and there. And every once in a while, like there were some instances where Nurse sent him to the bench early in games or early in the second half to correct uh, an issue. But for the most part, like they were force feeding him minutes. The idea was to get him as many reps as possible, even if it came at the expense of winning games. And sometimes it probably did. Whereas this year, as expectations have gone up for the whole lot of them for the team, like winning has become a higher priority to the point where if Scotty doesn't develop as fast as people are hoping, then maybe they do put him on the bench for a quarter or two at the expense of some of the other guys that are playing better. I, I don't know, but I, I do think, yeah, that, I mean, the, the success of the team and the development of Barnes are, are very closely connected. What would you say are some realistic ex- expectations for the Toronto Raptors this year? Similar to last year, I, I think. Okay. Like, I mean, when you look at the construction of the team, there isn't a, a whole lot of change. There's a ton of turnover on this team more than any team in the league. Like they've got 13 guys coming back from last season. That's an NBA high. I think 92% of the minutes from a year ago uh, are back. So really they're depending on internal growth. Like they're depending on Scotty Barnes taking that, that jump, whatever that jump ends up being. Um, Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, all of these guys under 25 that they're expecting to get better. But even the guys that are Technically, they're older players. Fred Van Vliet was an all-star last year. What's the next step for him? Pascal Siakam had the best year of his career, and that was despite having it shortened, at least on the the front end, by his off-season shoulder surgery. So now that he's had a full summer, how much better can he be? So I think, listen, they won 48 games last year. If I had to bet, I would say it's somewhere in that neighborhood, probably this year, 48 to 50, with the possibility of them winning a few more games if everything goes according to plan and they get that internal growth and they have some good injury luck. And if all those things don't happen, then yeah, maybe they have a few less wins. But I I think somewhere in that neighborhood is probably realistic. What's interesting though, is that the East is so good. I could see a scenario where the Raptors are better than they were last year, where maybe they even win more games and yet finish lower than they did last year, which was fifth. Yeah, and I felt that same way too about um the Mavs. In a previous conversation, we were like, you yeah. know, maybe they've they've upgraded, but like with the way even the West has has improved, like, well, maybe they may finish a little, a little bit lower in the standings. Um, but you mentioned Pascal, right? So what would you say um is next for Pascal? What, what is there is there something else that you feel like should be on his quote unquote checklist? Well, he's not lacking for ambition going into the new season, right? Like he said it day one, media day. I want to be a top five player in the league. And actually, I, I was talking to some of the people in his camp during the offseason, and that sounds like that was something that fueled him from the get-go. He was named All-NBA third team, and he called his agent the day after that and asked him, what does this mean, third team? It's kind of a funny question considering he's already been named All-NBA before 
um, a couple of years ago. He was all NBA second team and it made him a lot of money. His uh, contract extension that he had just signed went up pretty significantly because of it. But anyway, he says, what does this mean? And his agent was like, well, it means you're a top 15 player in the NBA. And he's like, that's not good enough. I want to be a top five player. So that's been what's driving him all off season pretty much by all accounts and everybody I've talked to, it sounds like he had a really good summer top five in the NBA. That's tough, right? Like there are a lot of really good players, even specifically at his position. It's not as far fetched as it might sound on the surface in that, like, I think there were points last season where he looked like a top five player, certainly a top 10 player. He was that good towards the second half of the season and the, the good news, I think, if you're Pascal Siakam, or if you're Pascal Siakam, a Raptors fan, is that there's a very clear and obvious path for him to take the next step. He shot just over 30% from three last year, which was an improvement over the year before, but still below league average, 37 or so percent, which he did. He shot 37% the year that he was playing next to Kawhi and he won most improved player and probably easier to do when you're playing next to Kawhi. But that's the goal for him. And that's something that he worked on a ton over the summer is taking a lot of threes, tweaking his uh, release a little bit. Um, If that can become a bigger part of his game, those like spot up looks and, and extending his range a little bit, I think he could very well take another step this year. And so I got to ask, um, even though it's been a couple of years, why are you smiling? <laughs> even, no, even, I'm, smi- even, I'm smiling because like top five is like, when we talk about top five, we talk about like yeah. Kyle Leonard, LeBron yeah, James, Stephen Curry, Nicole Jokic. And it's just like, it's, I love <laughs> Pascal Siakam. I think he's very underrated. I think he does a lot of things that a lot of people don't give him enough credit for. Like he can defend basically one through four. He can, you know, create off the dribble. He can tack the rim. But top five is is very tough. I, I have questions right now, as great as he is, is he even the best player on the Toronto Raptors? That's my going into the season. Because I believe, like we talked about, like Scotty Barnes and stuff like that, he may be the third option. But I look at Scotty Barnes. I look at like a, a Giannis disciple. Like this guy has the tools to really like be something really, really special. So – I don't even know if Pascal Siakam, even heading into this season, is going to be better than Scotty Barnes. So top five. And how about Fred Van Vliet? Like what's interesting to me is covering all those Raptors teams for all those years with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Like I see a similar dynamic here between Fred and Pascal where I I talked to Fred today and he in the conversation, I think was, I, I don't even know what it was in relation to, but he called Pascal the best player on the team, which Kyle used to do for DeMar all the time. And of course, DeMar DeRozan was the leading scorer. I'm not sure that he was ever the best player on the team. At least he wasn't the most valuable. Kyle Lowry, for as long as Lowry was a Raptor, was the most valuable player on the team. So I like that dynamic where like Van Vliet is in the Lowry mold, where he's the leader. He's the guy, I think, that's the heart and soul of this team. And Pascal, yeah, he's the leading scorer. He's the guy that the number one offensive option. The difference, of course, between the DeRozan and Lowry teams and then this team with that great dynamic that we're talking about of Pascal and Fred is now you also have the Scotty Barnes dynamic. And I do agree with you, like in terms of upside, Scotty Barnes ha- has it, right? Like he, he is, he could potentially be not only the best player on this team, but yeah. he's the guy, if you're talking top five, like I think that upside and that ceiling is, is there for him. Not this year, to be clear, for everyone yeah. Course. who I just told to temper their expectations. But uh, eventually, yeah, I think Scotty Barnes could be 
that good for sure. Yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, Demar and Kyle. Um, so, so I wanted to ask the trade, right? Obviously, Demar and Kawhi. Do you think Toronto as a whole, that fan base, has completely moved on? Or do you think it's something that still um, is affecting the organization? Now, obviously, they've won a chip, but do you still think it's something that has had some type of impact? No, I think for everybody, like th those wounds were raw initially, like for everybody, for the fan base. And it was such a it was such a fascinating reaction at the time in that you trade for a player like Kawhi Leonard and, and you'd think it'd be like universal celebration. They'd be dancing in the streets. But people in this city and in the country, like they love DeMar DeRozan. They were just we were just a year or so removed at the time or a year and a half, couple of years removed from DeMar sitting at a podium and saying, I am Toronto. He was the guy that after all those years of like Damon Stoudemire forces his way out, then Vince Carter forces his way out, then Grady leaves, Bosch leaves. Like that yeah. was the stigma that star players didn't want to play in Toronto. And we can debate forever how, how much of a star DeMar DeRozan is, but he, he's a really good player. He's an all-star player and he stayed multiple times. And as a result, I think of that, then all of a sudden Kyle Lowry stays. And I think the perception of the Raptors in general began to change. So there was a, a serious um, disappointment, I, I think, not only from the parties involved, but from the fan base. And then you talk about the parties involved, like DeMar was ticked off. He felt like he was done wrong by Masai Ujiri and by the organization. It was tough for Masai. It was obviously tough at the time for Dwayne Casey, who was fired. Like that was a, an interesting transitional period for the organization, but time heals all wounds and the championship heals all wounds. So yeah, I, I just think, I think so much has happened since then in the world with a, a pandemic and with the organization, the championship. And then even after Kawhi leaves and Danny Green leaves, the Raptors had that really fun season after the championship where they were among the best teams in the NBA and maybe could have made a run at another title if not for the pandemic hitting when it did and the bubble and all of that. And then they, they end up losing to Boston in the playoffs. But then Lowry leaves and it just there's so much that has happened that I think it, it's a new era, right? Like it's, it's a turning of the page. I think Lowry leaving more than even the DeMar trade and more than Kawhi leaving, Lowry leaving, considering he was around for like, almost a decade, that was the, the, the thing that really signified and, and symbolized, I think, in a lot of ways, the turning of the page. So yeah, now it's the Scotty Barnes era. It's just a question of how they build around him and what comes next. Do you feel like it's pressure on the Toronto Raptors to actually like build a legitimate championship team around Scotty Barnes? Because like you said, you talked about T-Mac. T-Mac was young when he left. Chris Bosh, DeMar DeRozan, even Pascal Siakam right now, Damian Stoudemire, like all those guys that you name, I think the problem, maybe other than like Vince and Chris Bosh, the rest of those guys weren't really true number one options. And you kind of was forced to like build a team around them. I think with Scotty Barnes, we're looking at situations like this guy has the tools to really be like a superstar and not just like a all-star slash star type of player. Yeah. He's going to be really good. And the team knows it too, right? So it's been interesting seeing how they've approached things, even from an off-court standpoint. Even we're talking about like, okay, well, 
how much do they expose him to the media? How mm -hmm. much do they make him do this and make him do that? How are they treating him, right? Because there's a fine line there. The Raptors, I think, when Vince Carter was a young player, they probably catered to him in some ways that they later regretted to the point where, like, you can't undo that. Like, once you give a guy certain leeway to, like, make team schedules, dictate when the team practices and what they do and what they don't do. You can't take that stuff back, especially when you're doing it as a young player. So I do think that once they brought in new management, when, when Vince was around and they started to kind of rethink, all right, well, should, should any player have this much power? That's what caused a lot of the friction there. So the precedent they're setting now is important. At the same time, you absolutely do need to cater to the guy. Maybe not as much as they did the year that Kawhi was here, like Kawhi was running the show. Kawhi's uncle was running the show. Kyle Lowry, in a lot of ways, ran the show just because of how long he was here. So I do think there's a balance where you've got to make the guy happy because there is that stigma. No matter, I mentioned all the things that the Raptors have done. They've won a championship. They've kept their own players here. One thing they haven't done, and, and this is sort of off topic a little bit because we're not talking about recruiting, we're talking about keeping Scotty Barnes happy, but the Raptors in their now I think it's 28 years, if, if my math is correct, they've never recruited a star free agent. There were the Giannis dreams of 2021 if he never signed his extension to Milwaukee. I think they thought they had a good shot there, but in all these years, they've never gone out and got that big fish. Until that happens, I think there is going to be that stigma of like, do American-born players want to play in Toronto? So yeah, they're going to do everything over the... Yeah, even though Scotty's still on his rookie contract, he's only a year in, these are short contracts. And these years go by quick. Before you know it, we're going to be talking about in a couple of years from now that he'll be extension eligible. And then a year after that, he'll be a restricted free agent. So they've got to start now thinking about how they want to make him happy. And for a guy like Scotty, being around him, not a ton, uh, but for a year, like you get the sense, this is a team first guy. He wants to win. So making him happy, probably more so than even any of the stuff that I talked about of like, when do you want to practice? And when do you want to talk to the media? Making him happy means winning. Surrounding him with the right pieces. They've got to do that. They've got a good team now. Is it good enough to win a championship? No, I don't think anybody is arguing that. Even Masai Ujiri acknowledged that on media day. They're a move away, a Kawhi-type move away, which is a big move. And the Kawhi opportunity was so unique at the time, especially at the price in which they got Kawhi. So, yeah, I think they're sort of in limbo right now where they've got a good team. They've got a ton of good pieces. Like, they haven't traded any of their picks. They're sitting on all those picks. They've got good players, good young players on team-friendly contracts. So you get the sense that they're sort of biding their time and waiting for that opportunity to go all in on whoever it is. It obviously wasn't Donovan Mitchell. It wasn't Rudy Gobert. So that's the question is like, when do they want to go all in and who do they want to go all in for? Josh, I have a, a question for you. Who's on your Raptors Mount Rushmore? Ooh, okay. Um, I haven't done this in a little while. And it's changed, I think, a little bit recently because Pascal Siakam is making a serious case for, if not top four, like certainly top five. So what makes it really interesting is 
Kawhi Leonard is the best player that's ever played for the Raptors when he played for the Raptors. Like, if you want to get real cute, we can say like Hakeem Olajuwon is the best Raptor ever, but like, no, not, not actually. Um, I think Kawhi Leonard is the best player that ever played for the Raptors and he won them a championship, but he doesn't check off one significant box and that's longevity. He was here for a year. So if we're evaluating everything like, Impact while they were here. Impact on winning, individual success, longevity, and the way the fan base feels about the guy, too. Like, I think that matters as well. I have Kyle Lowry, one. I have DeMar DeRozan, two. I have Kawhi, three. Controversially, I have Vince Carter, four understanding what he meant for the team and even basketball in Canada as a whole at the time, but <laughs> team success, there wasn't a whole lot of it. They, they never even won a seven game series when Vince Carter was around. They won one five game series and that was it. He wasn't here for as long as some people remember and his true prime peak years were really limited when he was in Toronto. We're talking about like two, maybe three really good years. So I've got Vince Carter for maybe that's personal bias. I was young and and growing up as a basketball fan. At least you admit it. (laughs) When he may or may not have engineered his own exit, that can be uh, debated as well. Um, Then the question from there is Chris Bosh or Pascal Siakam. And I, I would say that very recently Siakam passed Chris Bosh. I, I would say Bosch had had better individual years while he was in Toronto, mm-hmm. but Siakam's contribution to winning probably puts him over the top. But then I don't know. You can argue about the teams that Bosch was surrounded by. That one's really tough and really close. I think. What okay. do you guys think? I, I, no, I, I'm not <laughs> mad at. It. I mean, at the end of the day, your fourth person was Vince Carter. There are going to be there are going to be too many people that disagree with that. Yeah. Um, he was so, on the list. Yeah, I was going to say for sure. <laughs> so I would say this. Um, so my Mount Rushmore for the Toronto Raptors would be, I got DeMar DeRozan, Kawhi Leonard, Chris Bosh, and Vince Carter. No Kyle Lowry? Those are my four. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. I love Kyle, though. Those are my four, though. That's a tough list. That, yeah. That's, you know, and it sucks because I know we mentioned longevity, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to still go with those four. The biggest thing that I want to address, though, was Chris Bosh at six is kind of, it's kind of crazy. I don't know about y'all. T- is, is that not wild? T- Those t- were t- some t- bad teams. Like again, oh, not, I mean, not, not not entirely on Chris Bosh, but those yeah. were some bad teams. Oh well, I mean, you know, I but think he for showed t- up <laughs> for for a talent perspective. You know, that's when things get a little dicey. You know, Kyle Lowry is probably close to that ten range, but I mean, I'm Kyle Lowry. Oh, uh, my Mount Rushmore, Toronto Raptors, probably Demar Derozan number one, probably. Probably Kyle Lowry number two, probably Vince number three, and then probably I would say I'll give the edge to probably Chris Bosh number four in that order. Okay. I, so I, none I, of us have the I, same. I none of us seen, have the same one. No. I've never seen many players. I haven't seen many players over the years that impact winning quite mm-hmm. like Kyle Lowry. Such a divisive player because almost like we were talking about with Scotty Barnes earlier, where like you're not necessarily judging or measuring like his impact 
with the points and the rebounds and all that stuff. But like the dude would die on the court if it won the Raptors an extra game, right? Like he was taking charges and sacrificing his body, hitting big shots. Like he, he is, he is a God in Toronto, like people. And it's interesting what a difference a championship makes in that regard too, because I think a lot of people, it took some time for people to come around to him too, because like most basketball fans, fans in Toronto are like, all right, like looking at the box score here, DeMar DeRozan scores more points, Lowry, uh, whatever it is, 15 points, seven assists, whatever. It's okay. But yeah, that championship was big for his legacy. Yeah, I was even, especially, say, even if you, even if you especially go look back in that game, I think it was game six, like he set the he tone. He came out and set the tone, like quick 15 right off the bat. Like, yo, we're here. We're trying to win this. So it's just like that. I always remember that game. Cause like, I, a lot of people feel like, you know, if Clay Thompson getting hurt and if it went to game seven, a lot of people would feel like, okay, Golden State is probably going to take it. So he came out with a lot of energy and a lot of passion and kind of helped him, you know, win a championship. So uh, Kyle Lowry is definitely my top three. And, and if we're talking about like Chris Bosh, okay, well, he, he didn't have a lot of great players around him. Those weren't yeah. great teams. Like, especially early on in the DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry years, like were those world beaters? Were those super teams? Mm. Jonas Valanciunas, good player. Terrence Ross, good player. But like those weren't exceptional teams. Those teams were really good because of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And they deserve credit Mm. for that. I mean, even if we're going above and beyond like wins and losses and just talking about what these guys actually meant to the franchise. And I know Vince Carter gets a lot of credit for that because of the way that he put basketball on the map in Canada and all that stuff. Yeah, but like made it cool. But the Raptors were a wasteland of a franchise before DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry turned yeah. things around. Right. And, and Drake and, and Masai and Dwayne Casey, like there are a lot of guys who can credit for making the Raptors cool again. But after mm-hmm. Vince Carter left, like things were bad for a really long time. Like before the Raptors turned things around, it was that bizarre Rudy Gay trade. I don't know if you guys remember that mm-hmm. in uh, 13, 14, the, the Raptors actually were trying to tank that year for Andrew Wiggins, funny enough. And they yeah. trade Rudy Gay for like spare parts. They were moments away from pulling the trigger on a, on a Lowry trade to the Knicks. And then somehow something just clicks and Lowry and DeRozan find this chemistry and outside of the Tampa tank, like the Raptors have been a model franchise, the gold standard in the NBA, along with Golden State and up until recently San Antonio for the last decade. Like you, you look at most wins and, and most playoff appearances, the yeah. Raptors are right there over the last 10 years. And if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have said you're crazy the way things yeah. have been going. And basically they ran up against LeBron too. Like, yeah. they could have probably went to the finals, so. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the, the final question I have for you, Josh, before we let you go is, we talk about Kyle Lowry. So we have a, a, a segment on our show. It's a cap or no cap segment. This <laughs> falls in perfectly. So I have a, a question, and that question is, yes or no, would you say Kyle Lowry is a Hall of Famer? Yes. It's, it's close. It's close for me. And I, his career's not done too. Let's, let's remember that. I know some people think it is. And that's why I say like, let's, let's see what Kyle has this year. I know he's, he's not the player that he was, but if I've learned anything over the years, it's don't count Lowry out. Cause every time you say he's done or he can't do this, he, 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 
he keeps track of these things, right? Like I love the, the guys that say, I don't read anything. I don't look at Twitter. Like at least Kyle's man enough to be like, yeah, I read everything. I remember what mm-hmm. you guys say. He keeps track of these things and he gets, uh, he, he gets some pleasure from proving people wrong. I'll tell you that. So I don't think he's done. Let's see what he does this year. And, and if they could potentially win another chip in, in Miami, because Obviously, having another few winning seasons or another championship potentially would would be great for his resume. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I I mean, certainly they're going to retire his jersey in Toronto. I think he's going to have a statue outside of the arena. I think that goes a long way in terms of cementing a player's legacy and just in the way that he's impacted winning for as long as he has. A really interesting career arc, too. One that I compare that the only guy that really comes to mind when I think of like small point guard, took him a while and a few stops to figure mm-hmm. things out and then really blossomed. And once he did, like lengthened his career to the point where he's still contributing late into his 30s, mm-hmm. Chauncey Billups. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And a guy, Billups, who, who was a mentor to Lowry as well. And, and in a lot of Chauncey Billups is a Hall of Fame caliber player for a lot yeah. of people. So I, I think in that similar vein, I, 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 I think Lowry is. Kyle's I could done, see the argument against him as well. Kyle's done a little bit more in his career than Chauncey Billups too. If you look at it, like six-time All-Star. Also, the first yeah. championship played a crucial part to the first championship in Raptors history. So I think he probably squeezed in. Hall of Famer, Theus. Yeah, I, 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 I So I, I think Kyle – um, can be a Hall of Famer. I think obviously the qu- the next question that people ask is, is he first ballot? Uh, no, but to me, at, at, well, I mean, you know, no, of course not. To me, at the end of the day, being in the Hall of Fame is being in the Hall of Fame, and I don't think it really matters as much depending on who you are if it's mm-hmm. first ballot or not. But I think um, if he catches it on the right year, and even if he doesn't, I still think eventually he'll be in the Hall of Fame because as we say on this show uh, a lot, there are players in the Hall that aren't on the same level as Kyle Lowry from a talent perspective and an accomplishment perspective. So yeah, I think, um, again, that that championship um, holds a lot of weight. And you bring up a great point, too. He still has, you know, some some things that he can still do, right? Like, it's not like we're talking about a guy that's on the verge of retirement. He can go out and win another championship and then, you know, his chances uh, shoot up even more. So, I mean, I I, I would say that Kyle uh, is, is a Hall of Famer. It's Kyle Lowry is one of the time. smartest players I've ever seen yeah, yeah. play, but I'll, I'll say this. Pretty smart off the court, too, because as prickly as he used to be with the media, he's getting a little bit softer in his older mm-hmm. age. So maybe he's playing it up with the yeah. media for, for some Hall of Fame votes in a few years. There you go. He knows what, he, he knows what politics. he's doing. It's all politics. He's a smart dude. It's all politics. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you for, for, for pulling up on the pump fake, Josh. you have any, uh, any final words for uh, either the, the Raptors fans, fans up north or just in general? Like I said, I think it's going to be a really interesting few years. I know there was a lot of it, it, it. This was such a an interesting summer because the Raptors were out there a lot, right? Like, are they going to go after KD? There was some uh, speculation that they could be in on Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I know they were interested in DeAndre Ayton as well. So there was a lot of noise, but then nothing ended up coming of it. Yeah. This is a team again that's got the pieces and has a history of. This is the exact same game plan. This is the exact same formula that worked for them back in 2018, 2019, where you're building, you're developing these guys, you're collecting assets, and you're opportunistic. Like Masai Ujiri is not a guy who takes a lot of big swings, but 
he's patient. And, and when he does yeah. take that big swing, he believes it's going to be something that's, that's worth it. That's going to put them over the top. So that's what I'm expecting here in the next, not, I don't think it's going to be in the next few months, but I think yeah. it's going to be in the next year or two. And I'll also say like this core that they really like is going to get really expensive in the next few years. Fred Van Vliet is eligible for an extension in the next week or so. I don't think he's going to get it, but he can opt out of his contract after this year. So can Gary Trent Jr. after that, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, and then eventually Scotty Barnes is going to be due for a raise. So at some point, I think they're going to need to uh, consider consolidating some of these pieces and going in on that big fish. So I don't know. I, I think next summer is going to be really interesting. I have next summer circled as kind of that opportunity that, that might be out there to go out and, and maybe make that push towards becoming a championship contender. Brick by brick. I mean, look, Toronto could, you know, be in a way worse situation. Yeah. And, I, and I think obviously, you know, you got a Roy on your team, you got NBA champions on your teams that have experience. So there's yeah. a lot of teams out there that wish they had one or the other, if not both. So they made the right, they Toronto made the right decision though. I feel like and not going, I mean, other than Kevin Durant, everybody else that Josh kind of mentioned. Oh, oh, Rudy, yeah, I was going to say, mentioning Rudy Gobert after Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Aiden, um, Donovan Mitchell, you already got Fred Van Vliet, who's a small guard. So it's just kind of like, I think they made the right decision. A guy that I will put on everybody's radar that people should watch and pay attention to will be probably the perfect addition to the Toronto Raptors is SGA. You said it. Not me. I didn't say it. <laughs> I didn't say it. I'm only thinking it. Yeah. I'm hey, only thinking that, it. That would be crazy. That's the guy. That would be crazy. That's the guy. <laughs> that would be crazy. Well, that's the thing, right? And this is, I, and so I caused some trouble inadvertently when I got aggregated uh, a few weeks ago in, in saying this basically the same thing that, like, yeah, this, this is a guy that would make a lot of sense. Uh, my point being, my point at the time was just that there's an opportunity cost to going all in. So yeah, like Kevin Durant, of course, like yeah, if you could get him, Kevin Durant, sure. Donovan Mitchell. I, I like Donovan Mitchell. I like Rudy Gobert, but in addition to the actual cost of all the draft picks and all the pick swaps and all the players you're getting up, there's the opportunity cost. Once you do it, you can't do it again. You can't go all in again. You're locked in. You've already stripped your organization of its assets. So that's the question is like, Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster, these are smart guys. They've got a plan. They've looked at not only what's out there, but what could be out there. And they've got, I don't think they have one guy that they've circled and like, this is the guy we want. But I believe they have a few guys that they think could be probably better long-term fits than somebody like Kevin Durant um, that, that they're waiting for. Um, it's just a question of when those guys become available and at what price. Um, but until then, like I said, they're in a good spot. I don't think they're, they feel rushed to do anything. They're going to continue to develop their guys. And then, yeah, like, Shea's happy now. He signed his extension now. There's talk about, okay, mm -hmm. well, we're not going to be building forever. Keep on losing. Yeah. Losing's not fun. And Shea, <laughs> I'll tell you, I was around him a bit this summer. And, like, he's not only a star player, but he's got the mindset of a star player. Mm -hmm. and, and those types of guys, those star players, you can only – stomach losing for so long and after a while it's like all right well get me out of here and there's plenty of precedent in the nba for that now like it's and that's why i say opportunity cost in the nba can go all in there's going to be another guy in like two three months down the line who you might not even be expecting who says i want out so god bless the nba
Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I got a few names that hopefully they yeah. make certain requests. But yeah. And, and, yeah hold th- up. and Josh left out a very important point. Where is SGA from? Right. Oh, yeah. That's, I think that's why that's, you know, where it all kind of stems from. So if that can happen and he'll be able to win, you know, just a couple more games, I think, uh, you know, it, it would be good for everyone. But a lot of things have to happen in order for that to really kind of, you know, unfold. Um, but yeah, again, Josh, definitely appreciate you for being on the show. You already know um, another fire episode, no pump fakes, as well as we had to show our lovely Raptor fans some love. You know, uh, you know, you got got some some big things lined up this season. So, uh, but yeah, again, definitely thank you again, Josh, for being on the show. Well, just like that, y'all, we gone. Peace. <laughs>